Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I don't know that, you know, raising kids in the apocalypse is a whole lot different than, than <laughs> raising kids right now. The, the level of frustration is probably about the same. It's just the, the consequences for messing up or you die. You know, other, other than that, it's, it's all very similar. Welcome to Manic Rambling Spiral. I am Heather B. Armstrong. And I am John R. Bray. I'm James Brakewell. Sorry, I wasn't sure if I was supposed to introduce myself. <laughs> <laughs> I get to introduce you. This is my podcast. This is John's podcast. I am sorry. I will escort myself out. <laughs> <laughs> Today we are joined um, by a, a very special guest, James Breakwell. You probably have heard of him or have heard about his work. He is a professional com- comedy writer whose Twitter account, Exploding Unicorn, which there's no E in there, it's at Exploding Unicorn, has almost a million followers. The account went viral in April of 2016 and transformed James from a niche comedy writer into one of the most popular dads on social media. And James has a book coming out on October 10th called Only Dead on the Inside, A Parent's Guide to Surviving the Zombie Apocalypse. Welcome, James. Thank you very much for having me. Thanks for being here. James is a fellow parent. Obviously, we wouldn't have any any non-parent on, an, on a parenting podcast. <laughs> Fuck those people. <laughs> <laughs> How dare they have normal lives. James is not a single parent, but he has... <laughs> sorry, I'm laughing about this. He has four girls under the age of seven. <laughs> Packed them in a little tight there, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you want to do you want to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about uh, about uh, the the book and your kids and sure. and what's going on? Yeah. So uh, as you said, I'm James Breakwell. We got the name pretty well established, and I am uh, best known from uh, from social media, mostly on uh, on Twitter. I write family friendly jokes about my kids. You know, I take the stuff they say and I kind of build a story around it in 140 characters and they end up kind of popping up all over the internet so my kids are uh got four girls they're seven uh five three and one so at, at some point all four of them will be teenagers at the same time we didn't uh we didn't think that one out real clearly oh my god and i've, I've got a book coming oh. <laughs> a book coming out that kind of takes some of those experiences and and kind of takes a tw- puts a twist on them it's uh only dead on the inside a parent's guide to surviving the zombie apocalypse i didn't want to just write another parenting guide because there's lots of those out there and there's also lots of zombie guides but there's no there's no guide out there for parents if you kind of watch the walking dead or if you you read any of those other guides they kind of st- assume everybody's like this these young single hardcore survivalist with all these skills just looking out for themselves and it's like what about what about the rest of us what if you know you're <laughs> you haven't been to a gym in four years you don't have any skills you got a bunch of kids who are are really not very well behaved in the best of times and suddenly everything goes wrong and 
you know, the dead are walking the earth. So that's, that's what it's about. It's kind of a funny take on parenting mixed with a survival guide. Uh, and hopefully there's some advice you can use. Although if you do have to use it, I mean, that's probably not good overall for humanity, but it's, it's there as a resource <laughs> if you need it. <laughs> and you are in Indianapolis, correct? Yes. Yes. I'm in Indianapolis out here. And happily married? Yes. My, we, went, we actually uh, just hit our 10th anniversary. She has been putting up with me for a, uh, a very long time. We met when we were 18 in college the second week, and uh, we've been together ever since. So clearly she does not have very good taste in men, but that's okay. I, I love her all the more for it. I hear, I hear the Midwestern accent. Uh, <laughs> that Indianapolis is, is considered Midwestern, correct? I, I think so. Yeah. I mean, it, it, Midwest is the hardest region to define. Nobody really takes a lot of pride in it. So they don't fight to be in it. So God, that's everybody, so true. I think, I think Midwest is kind of something that other people lump you into, but yes, I would say I'm, I'm Midwestern. John has a, a bit of a Midwestern accent. Yeah. Just a little one. <laughs> but isn't that isn't that what the, the TV people, the newscasters, don't they try to try to imitate the Midwestern accent? So aren't we like the default accent of America? I think we can take pride in that. We can take pride in being generic. Yeah, there you go. You got to take what you can get sometimes. That's right. It's the only thing we've got worth imitating, but I'll take it. I was working with NPR on an idea for a podcast and Colleen... There's a woman named Colleen who was producing it, and she's the one. Is she the one who who put you in contact with me? Yes, yes. She gave me your name yes. like a year ago, and then <laughs> many many months later, when I finally had the book, I was like, okay, it's time to to start trying to make long shot contacts here with important people. And then I fired off that email to you. Yeah, she she she's like, you've got to read this Twitter account. This guy, you know, tweets the conversations that he has with his children. And uh, that, that's when I would, ah, God, that was about two years ago. Have you been, how long have you been, how long have you had that uh, Twitter account? I've had it since 2012, but it's just in the last few years that it's really zeroed in on the, the kid-centric humor as I've, you know, added children and they've kind of taken over my life. So that's, the form it is now is probably just a few years, but it does go back to 2012. And and the the breakout moment it was featured on the cover of uh like a, a front page of BuzzFeed. Yeah, yeah, and you know BuzzFeed does those tweet roundups all the time, and uh, they they and you know they include lots of tweets from everybody, and and um, I didn't think anything of it. They were because they called and asked me if they could do one. Not called, they sent an email. Nobody nobody uses a phone in two thousand. 17. It was 2016. And they, they asked if they could write an article about me. I said, okay, sure, whatever, you know, take my tweets and I'll answer some questions. And uh, I checked Twitter later, like the day it ran, it ran a couple weeks later, and I had gained 40,000 followers in an hour. I was like, what is going on here? And I looked and apparently, you know, BuzzFeed runs the internet, which I didn't understand. And having an article just about me rather than about like 20 people made all the difference. So it ended up with something like 2 million page views and it, it gave me a huge boost. And then within a couple days, uh, you know, newspapers in the UK were emailing me, asking me for quotes and stuff. And for a little while there, I was everywhere on the internet. It was, it was pretty crazy. Did I, uh, did I ever, ever tell you how I found your blog? No, I didn't. I did. I wasn't sure if I had told you that story in the email or not. Um, I started reading yours or I first checked in on it way back when I was uh, it would have been 2007. I was at the end of college and uh, I had a, I, I had a job lined up at a newspaper. So I had a pretty good idea that I was uh, making some poor life choices. <laughs> and so I, I was looking for what people were doing online for comedy writing and stuff. And I found your blog and I thought you were awesome. I was like, I need to, I need to use this lady as like a, a goal or a mentor. Like I need to, I need to try to 
to do this. And so for a while, I really closely stalked your blog. I was like, I need to, because you know, you were you were a regular person, and then everything exploded, and you were hilarious. Like that, that's the path I need to follow. And then as I read more and more, you know, you had a you had a kid, and your life was together. I was like, this lady. This lady has her shit together. I can't keep up with this. <laughs> this I've I've picked the wrong person to imitate. And uh, that is it, a complete facade. Yeah, <laughs> and, and, and like in hindsight, I I realize that you know when you're adding kids and doing that, like that's probably the moment you're losing your shit. But I didn't know that. I was you know I was young and dumb. So I I do apologize for for incorrectly assuming that you had all the answers. But I did uh, I did start following <laughs> you back then. I always thought you were awesome. Oh, thank you, thank you, and I think you. I read that um, you have realized that like your most popular stuff is about your kids, right? Yeah, absolutely. People people aren't a big fan of me. They love the kids. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I've, I've experienced the same thing where my kids and my dogs. The New York Times did a profile of me in 2011 calling me the queen of the mommy bloggers. Oh my God, I remember, I, I remember the moment it happened. And I knew, I knew the backlash that was going to happen. But my <laughs> ex-husband, my ex-husband joked that adding our second kid was really great for business. <laughs> oh, God. And of, of course, she used that quote in the article. Um, but it, it was, it was true in the sense that people wanted me to talk about my kids. And I've, I've noticed that when I try to talk about music or, fashion or anything like that they 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 tune out yeah but when it's about my kids like i could post the most beautiful photograph on instagram of a of a gorgeous landscape and get you know 200 likes but then i'll post this really ugly photo of my kid like with stuff all over her face and it's like 2000 likes (laughs) (laughs) i yeah, I mean that's that's why I do all kid jokes now. I just, you know, I, Twitter you can't, you don't you don't hear, hear laughter. You get a grade, and after a while you figure out which jokes are doing well and which aren't. And people just want to hear the kids. It's it's funny though how far people will take it. So you know, my my tweets just like everything on the internet, or especially on Twitter, where you have a shorter space to work with. It's a mix of truth and reality. Some of it's completely true, taken verbatim. Some of it's kind of exaggerated to make it fit the format. Some of it's just kind of made up, but they're the kind of things my kids say and talk about anyway. And so I'll have people who'll come up to me and be like, you know, well, not come up to me. They'll message me. They'll say, your kids are hilarious, but you're you're not very funny. <laughs> it's like, well, I'm, I'm giving them all the punchlines here. That's not really fair. It's, uh, <laughs> but but I do deal with that. And that's uh, one of the worries about the book. So that they'll be like, well, you know, your kids are funny, but I don't really trust you to write a book. Well, maybe when the kids write a book, we'll buy that one. <laughs> so do you, do you do illustrations in, cause you have comic strips, right? Yeah. Yeah. I figured out a long time ago that blog posts take a lot of time. So I just switched to comic strips and, <laughs> and they, uh, and, and there, there are comic strips in the book, comic strips and graphs and charts and all that. I, I was actually kind of glad cause, um, uh, my wife told me years ago when I started making the first comic strip, she's like, you're never going to have time for this. This is going to, you know, just take over everything. I was like, nah, I got time for it. And of course, she was completely right. And then since then, I've added two other daily web comics I do. But after all of this, that I actually was able to use some of those web comics, take new, build new ones for the book to kind of illustrate, you know, what to do in a zombie attack. It, it kind of sort of almost made all the wasted time worthwhile. So it, it worked out. It worked out. <laughs> Yeah, I read the post that you wrote about um, your your wife, whom you don't post pictures of on the internet, correct? Yeah, she's the only one who doesn't get her face out there, and she's very grateful for it. <laughs> yeah, John doesn't post photos of his son. Correct. Oh, really? Not of his face. Yeah. I'll do photos from 
from behind or from weird angles where you can't actually identify him. You ever have somebody looking at him at a weird angle trying to place him on the internet? (laughs) Like, is that that guy? (laughs) Could, you know, possibly, but no, he rarely appears. And if he does, it's, it's not with the face included. Is this uh, his choice or your choice or mutual? Uh, It was my choice to begin with. I don't think he would care one way or the other. Um, Mm -hmm. But it was just something, I guess, especially when he was a lot younger and couldn't really make the choice, I guess. I I just didn't. Yeah. His uh, biological father is not in the picture at all in his life. And it didn't really, I didn't really like the idea of offering a look at my son's life on the internet for him to possibly follow along with when he's so uninvolved. Yeah, that, that makes complete sense, actually. And, uh, and now, especially when they get older, and, I, and I'm wondering what's going to happen with my own kids. You know, he would want to, if you did take pictures of him at this point, he would want to veto. It's like, let me let me see what you're taking here before you put that up. Right. See, right now, my, my kids don't care what they look like, but, you know, they're small and cute, so they always look amazing. But, like, I can't, <laughs> my wife doesn't want to be on there anyway, but if I had to, uh, you know, get get her approval every time I put up her image, I don't know that I would... I would ever get any images up of anybody. So it, <laughs> it streamlines the process when they're too small to, uh, to care. So was that your wife's call from the beginning? She just didn't want to be included. Yeah. And you know, this, this has been such a gradual thing. I mean, you have to remember I did this for years and got nothing out of it. It was just my stupid time wasting hobby and it didn't morph into like, you know, like a business or, you know, like a, a chance at the future until, you know, the last you know, 15, 16 months. So especially in those early days, yeah, she just didn't want to, didn't want to be on there and be a part of it. But it's, she always comes out looking good. I mean, every, every, every in conversation we have going back and forth, she comes out the winner, even if in real life, I win the conversation. If you put a conversation online that you won, you just look like a jerk. So I have to switch it around. Like, look at me, I lost again. So uh, people, people have built her up to be amazing, which, which she is amazing. So, uh, I don't think she wants to uh, to mess with that image and disappoint anybody. So she's going to remain the the mysterious off camera figure. <laughs> this and this is not my pessimism, but I made my husband out, my ex husband out to be truly, truly like a long suffering. You know, <laughs> I made him out to be the good guy, and so when we when we got divorced. <laughs> everybody was like but he's so amazing he's an amazing person but it was like i never did talk about our problems and so when when we when i announced the divorce people were very very confused yeah i could because i had painted you know you painted like you like you said um in the post about your wife you said some of my tweets are true some are exaggerated and some are made up and um i think that what you know people people have gotten to a point of of a sense of ownership of, of me and my, my life and think that I'm telling the whole, the whole story when I'm crafting a narrative on purpose. Yeah. Um, and, and you're doing that too. Absolutely. Yeah. And you, even you get into the greater philosophical question, what is the truth? I mean, you can't, there's, there's so much nuance and everything else going on in life and you're, you're, you know, you're writing a, a post or a chapter or whatever, and you don't, you're not going to put in every single facet about your life. We all we all live real life every day, and it's not all that interesting. What you're doing is you're you're taking out the parts you need for a narrative to prove a point or make people laugh or do whatever. So, so yeah, that it is. I can I can I can totally see the the conundrum that would happen then if if you've only said good things about somebody, 
And it, obviously mm-hmm. they think they're getting the whole truth, but it's just, it's not possible. Right. Can you imagine the opposite though? If you had tweeted or if you had written about how awful or all, all the things that annoyed you all along, what a different, you know, writing experience that would be. I would think that wouldn't be very enjoyable at all, but to put out all the dirty laundry. No. Right. I mean, exactly. I never, I never aired our dirty laundry. And I've often said that, you know, I'm telling about 5% of the story. And, you know, there's a 95% of the story that people don't know. Although I, I've always posted pictures of my kids because I've been doing this for almost 17 years and started posting pictures of them when we didn't realize what was going to happen in terms of, you know, Instagram showed up, Facebook showed up. Mm-hmm. You know, I started, I started before any of these social networks and have been, you know, accused for my entire career of exploiting my children. My kids routinely get recognized in public. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it sometimes people are, are, are okay, are, are nice. Sometimes people are just like, oh my God, <laughs> it's Lita Armstrong. And she's like, what is going on? <laughs> <laughs> but, but she she'll be doing something and she'll say put this on your instagram account mom do it (laughs) (laughs) like she's encouraging me to post more of her but yeah i think it's gonna get it's gonna get a lot trickier um as she gets older and, and as my younger kids gets older um just in terms of you know the notoriety that uh that surrounds me and what that means for them and i think that you with your rising success are probably going to run into the same problem. I think so. I mean, I'm, I'm many orders of magnitude less well-known than you at this point. So we've never, we've never been recognized in public. We've been recognized. I had a, I've had a couple of times people who know us otherwise have also seen the Twitter account. They're like, Oh, and they put two to two together, but we've never been like in a restaurant and been recognized or anything. Um, but like my kids, they, they kind of have the opposite perception of, of what the public does. So to the public, this account is my hilarious kids and their bumbling dad who just writes it down. And to my kids, it's like, this is, this is dad's work. And he sometimes includes us in it. We help him with it. They, so they don't, I don't think they realize to what a degree they're the centerpiece of it and all, but they do, they, they understand that they're like, they draw me pictures and I turn them into web comics. I'm like, okay, now we need to, we need to take, you know, zombie tip pictures or things. And they, and they work with me on that. But to more to the, what you were talking about earlier, the 5% thing, I, you know, if I send eight or 10 tweets a day, kind of eight or 10 moments that are kind of funny, if you distill them down, people are like, oh my gosh, it must be so funny all day. But how, how easy is it to have, you know, five or 10, like 10 second good moments in a day where all four kids are throwing temper tantrums or all I think that's why why people like the five percent because they get the parenting experience the good part of it and they get to cut out all of the frustration the long day part of it the the part where nobody will put on their shoes so that's kind of kind of what I have to offer for now so hopefully hopefully that'll hold people over for a while and hopefully my kids will Will continue to stay on board as they get older, but I guess we'll see. Well, it it it, it transforms. I mean, so your kids, your oldest is seven. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the, the content. I mean, the content is, is always going to be incredible with, with children, because the problems just get. There's always going to be problems, and there's always going to be funny moments. They just they're just different as they get older. Mm-hmm. Very very different. Um, has you have your kids started school? Yes. So I've got one in uh, second grade and one in kindergarten, and then the three year old is about to start preschool. So that's that's a whole new adventure. <laughs> yeah, that's a whole new set of yeah. material too, because it's a world all its own. <laughs> yeah, it is. 
I've got to be careful because like that one teacher, she figured out um, that, uh, you know, my daughter was in her class and uh, I had to, you know, I had to tell her, I was like, you know, just so you know, I mean, this is a, this is a comedy account and sometimes it's completely true and sometimes it's not. So if I have my seven-year-old talking about how she hates school, like I need you to not take that personally because <laughs> it may or may or may not have happened that way. And, and honestly, for the most part, my kids like school. Most of the most of the hate school stuff is me looking back on my own life. I was never a never a huge fan, but luckily they enjoy it. So hopefully that continues as well. I guess I should have warned Marlo's teacher. <laughs> 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 oh man, I wrote uh, in was it first grade? Yeah, first grade they had a shit ton of homework, man. Oh wow, so much homework in first grade. It was crazy. that's all I said was like, oh my God, my kid has so much homework and she just doesn't want to do it. And I, and I summarized the story by saying, um, like there was a puppy involved. And once the puppy got involved with the homework, she was all over it. (laughs) And, uh, so (laughs) one of the teachers read it, read, read my website and came to my daughter's teacher and told her about it. Oh, wow. And, um, I was actually in New York at the time on a, on a business trip and I got a phone call from the, the principal. The principal? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. The principal got involved and they didn't understand why I would do such a thing. Well, it's not like you didn't call out a teacher by name or anything, did you? You were just no, talking about how I she didn't, didn't know. like, yeah, I, there's nothing wrong with yeah. that. Maybe. Yeah. It's, a, it's, a, these, these are, these are fine lines we walk when we are, um, and I've talked to a lot of different kinds of writers who write about their lives. The, there's these fine lines that we walk in in terms of, you know, pe- people in our lives and how they're portrayed and how they feel about how we write about them. I've, I've said this before. I actually asked for permission to post pictures of my friends on, on Instagram uh-huh. because there's a a group of people who love to investigate my friends oh, wow. and find out terrible things about them. <laughs> <laughs> See what you have to look forward to, James? I know. I'm getting scared all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> you should be very, very afraid. <laughs> I mean, you have almost a million followers on your account. They're a, they're a different kind of follower though. It, it's yeah, they are. They've, uh, and I, I think it's because of the way they came into it. So what your followers started out, you know, with your blog where they kind of got a big, you know, in-depth look at your life and mine are coming at it where they're these very surface level, quick back and forth jokes. And early on there were some trolls, but over time they kind of got drowned out by the overall people who like the kids. So for the most part, I'm shocked at how little trolling I get. And the trolling I do get, like, there's certain kinds of trolls that don't bother me at all. Like, people who are like, you're a you're a bad dad. And it's like, you know, that's kind of the character I portray online. So I can't, I can't really get mad about that. So I don't, and I also, I don't read every single comment any, every more, which also helps. But, so I haven't had right. anybody trying to track me down like that. I did, uh, I recently tried to branch out into another social network where my jokes were getting copied and pasted anyway. I thought, well, why don't I go there and, you know, just do it myself? And, uh, oh my God, it was, <laughs> it was I, 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 I kicked open a hornet's nest. The people there were terrible. And I finally, I finally just said, I don't have time to fight this battle every day. I'm going to, I'm going to let the bullies win and get out of there. Uh, so, I mean, I know there's some corners of the internet that are definitely not as nice, but for right now, the one place I put most of my jokes for the most part, people have been very, very kind to me. 
And so for the most part, you're on Twitter? Yeah, Twitter and Facebook are my two big ones. Facebook is quickly growing okay. up there. And Facebook is, and, and again, you've probably had a completely different experience with this as well. But I think it's because I mostly talk about my kids, you know, the conversations back and forth and that stuff. But the people there are pretty nice too. I did have uh, the yeah. funny, funniest freak out I had. Uh, have you read that? You guys familiar with Disney's Rapunzel? Yeah. Yes. The um, there was a children's book of it that like it was like has like six words a page and it comes with the readers so the kids can push the button and read it themselves and I posted a picture of my one year old looking at this book and somebody got so mad at me and they sent me this big diatribe it was like how can you let your kids view that filth and I looked and the page she was looking at had a picture of Rapunzel and the guy kissing. And like he was, he was acting like my daughter was holding pornography. It's like, wow, I can't, I can't even imagine how this person exists on the internet with everything that's out there. If this this small picture from a children's book is just going to scandalize them that much. Well, it's always surprising to see how much time people will spend on things they don't like or don't agree with. That's true like, too. I hardly have time to spend on the things I like, let alone spending all that time to not only <laughs> look at that photo, but then take the time to email you or comment this massive message saying how terrible you are. <laughs> just blows my mind. Yeah. I, I guess I just use the internet a different way than most people. But if I see something I don't like, I, I just scroll past it. Like I don't stop there and dedicate my day to hating that. I just, I, I think I use my time a little better than that. Maybe not much better than that, but at least a little bit. We did an episode very recently about, you know, our kids going back to school and, oh gosh, the madness of that, you know, that, especially the first two weeks when you have to get back into the routine. And um, <laughs> the, the first Facebook comment was, thank you so much for validating my decision to homeschool. This is all, <laughs> this is all that I needed to hear. <laughs> homeschooling has to it was be super is super condescending and it was like did you listen to the whole episode just to leave that comment <laughs> <laughs> used to be that the, my least favorite ones i used to uh, back when i started out writing i was writing for my college newspaper and they had super low standards and no oversight so i could just write whatever i wanted i write like this this 2000 word humor column i was very proud of and somebody would come to me and be like you you had a typo like really, that's you. You spent all this time. You spent fifteen <laughs> minutes reading this thing, and you're going to come up to me and tell me I had a typo. Oh, it used to drive me crazy. But uh, homeschooling people, man, I, I've got to imagine as hectic as school gets, homeschooling is always going to, you know, I mean that's that's your whole day, that's your whole life. They've got a, that's a that's a commitment to do that. Oh, oh my, no, no, I would, I would literally, I would, they would have to arrest me. There's no way that I could survive that. No fucking way would I ever survive that. Yeah. I, I can barely handle getting the homework done. And my kids, they actually, you know, listen to teachers. They don't listen to me. I can tell them to something 25 times. I can't imagine trying to drag them, you know, through coursework for eight or nine hours a day. And then you have, you figure you have multiple kids. You've got to be the full-time teacher at like three or four different grade levels. That's a, you've got, you've got to have some serious, you know, organizational skills to pull that off. I would, I would never even consider it. So your, your one-year-old, so is, is she still at home? Yeah, she's in daycare. Me and my wife both work okay. full-time. And then I do this writing when I should be working and in every, you know, waking second of free time and all that. So, so the one-year-old and the three-year-old, they go to the same, the same daycare. And now the five-year-old and the seven-year-old go to the same school. We split them in two different directions for that. 
And so do you, are you still working at a, a cubicle job or is this, are you, is this Twitter, is this your full-time job? No, I'm still in the cubicle tweeting from it. They still haven't figured it out that it's me. It's, uh, it's amazing. <laughs> oh, no. I live the lowest stakes double life you've ever seen. And I just, like, I left today to come here and do this podcast. Somebody's like, so what are you doing today? I'm like, oh, just, you know, running errands and just, and nobody ever follows up. I guess in an indictment of how little coworkers care about each other. We're just not that curious about each other's lives. So, you know, my bosses have never figured it out, which is good because they could check the timestamp on the tweets and be like, wait a minute, what were, what were you doing all day? So, uh, and hopefully, I mean, you know, this book is a big step in that direction. Maybe if some people buy this book, I can, I can be closer to, uh, you know, writing full time like you guys. But right now with, uh, you know, with four kids, that's just, that's a big, scary step to take. And I'd love to take it, but I gotta, I gotta make sure I can sell a few books before I do that one. Well, it's crazy to me though, that your coworkers and your boss haven't figured it out because you're, you're kind of everywhere online. They have to be very unaware. They just, I guess, you know, it's not worth Googling me and I have a pretty generic look that I don't <laughs> even, they, I, I just, <laughs> don't even register. like I'm convinced I would be the perfect person to commit a murder. Cause I'm just, just so blend in in a crowd apparently that you could just live next to me every day and never, and never notice you do. Like, how do you describe that suspect? Like, I don't know. He's just a generic looking guy. So, uh, so yeah, so they don't, oh, one of them finally figured it out. Next coworker messaged a current coworker. It's like, oh my gosh, this, you just see this online. But she, she looked at it and then she stopped. Like, I don't think she realized the scope. She's like, oh, you write, you write some jokes on the internet sometime and then and, and, and just kind of stopped looking at it. And she never told anybody. And I was like, okay, I thought, I thought that might've been the moment that blew my cover, but uh, she also didn't care that much. So I, I continue on with my odd double life. And you don't tweet about work, correct? I don't. I, that's one of the lessons I learned yeah. about you. I used to make some kind of vague references to it, or I might reference, you know, hating Mondays, but yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to do anything too identifiable to get bounced out of there. That would, that would not please my wife very much. <laughs> that, would, that would not be a fun conversation. <laughs> to get deuced. No. <laughs> well, looking for you though, I mean, that was, that was the turning point of your whole life. That was pretty much the best thing that ever happened to you, wasn't it? Well, y well, yeah, I hated that job. <laughs> and I mean, obviously I hated it. I had it coming. Um, and someone actually recently Googled me and found the, uh, there's a website called Metafilter. Um, it's an old school website where people, it's kind of like a link blog where people would post interesting things and there would be kind of a, like, it's kind of a bulletin board, um, website. It was the Metafilter thread that launched me. I went from like 4,000 readers a day to like 20,000 in, in a single day. Wow. Um, when Metafilter wrote about me losing my job. Even... 4,000 followers a day. That's still nothing to say. I mean, you weren't exactly unknown at that point, were you? You had you had built up a, a healthy following. I had built up, yeah. I had like a, several well-known bloggers had linked me and, you know, I had built this, uh, I built this, you know, a, a following with my writing and my humor. And then so Metafilter sent all these people who had no idea who I was to me and they're like, what the hell is this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's changed my life. Thank God I lost that job. <laughs> Now, John, did you have a big turning point moment too, where you know you knew you could set out and do the writing on your own? Yes and no. I mean, I had a there was there was definitely a turning point that was kind of the result of having done some freelance and contract work while also working full time, and then at the same time hating my job, and it had just reached <laughs> a point where I kind of I kind of knew that I disliked it so much that eventually that was going to show through in my work. 
and you know things oh. would go south or i could just leave so i decided to take a chance and leave and that was that it was the it was the best day i actually i actually quit on the day of my annual review really yeah <laughs> because of the review or before the review it, he called to have my review because i worked remote and i said well we can we can have the review that's fine and i said but i just want to let you know that i'm going to give you my my 2 weeks notice and there was just this long <laughs> silent period and he's like okay well that's that then and that was it no final review i'm uh, i'm falling into this dangerous trap right now where i'm kind of like half in both worlds so when things go bad at work it's like i don't need this crap you know i've got i've got this whole life outside of here and then when things go bad online, I'm like, well, I don't need this crap. I've got a full-time job. And so then I, I, I tell myself it's okay to be apathetic about both, but it's absolutely not. And that's the kind of a dangerous position to be in. Um, and it's, and it, it, it's good and it's bad to, to still have the job because when, th- you know, the internet is fickle and maybe when you get to your level, it's not so much, but, but for me, like big, crazy offers crop up all the time. And then, you know, three-fourths of the time they disappear. And when they disappear, it's like, well, that's not a big deal because, you know, my life doesn't depend on that. But if I if I get to the point where, like, these are these are what I need to pay the bills, like, holy cow, that would that would have been a devastating email I just got that I just shrugged off. So there's – and then, you, John, you're, you're not making it easy for yourself. You're up in Chicago, which is not exactly a cheap place to make a living in any profession, let alone a writer. So you kind of – you kind of went in and at the the maximum challenge level. I did. I mean, I'm in the I'm in the suburbs, so it's a little more reasonable. But it okay. is it's a it's an expensive area. I mean, at the time, I will say that it was it was not as nerve wracking leaving because my girlfriend, who I guess it had been about eight years at the time, uh, was working okay. full time and had a great job. So. In the back of my mind, I knew that if it took a while to get started or something went awry, things would be okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there was that safety net. But then, I don't know, nine months after I left was when we separated. Oh. So I kind of lost, I had nine months to kind of get my feet wet full time writing and then lost that safety net and then have just, you know, been fortunate enough to, to keep it going. Awesome. But it's a wild, it's a wild world. And you do, it takes, it takes some time to adjust to the fact that you're not going to get paid every week or every other week. Like that's, <laughs> that's not a thing anymore, but you'd be surprised. I think, you know, when you, I'm going to say when you make that leap, because I think it's only a matter of time for you. It's not as, it's not as daunting because you're finally able to devote a hundred percent of your energy to your ah. writing. So, you know, although three yeah. fourths of the time these offers are falling through, that will probably decrease because you're able to put more time in. You're able to get offers that are less likely to fall through, and it kind of all falls into place. But, uh, I, I I hope that's the case because that does sound that does sound like uh, like where I'd like to take this eventually. We just have to to figure out the moment I pull the trigger. Maybe I will get discovered at work and fired, and they'll make the decision for me. Maybe, that, <laughs> maybe that's the best case scenario to get deuced after all. Yeah, well, it would make it a lot easier in some ways. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. 
So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Yeah, did you, did you always know once you got fired that you were never going to have another job? Or did you start the job hunt right away? Oh me? Yeah. Oh, um that getting fired from a job uh was a, a such a devastating blow to someone who was the valedictorian in high school and I graduated with honors from college and so getting fired uh was a shocking shocking life event for me. Um and I went into a very very deep depression very soon after and um it was right during the the dot com bust oh and fortunately i had um worked at like five different startups in the span of 3 3 years i had friends who were sending me freelance work so i just went completely freelance um when i got fired so the decision was made for me oh, like okay. boom done yeah that's awesome it's uh, I can I can see the uh, the, the depression. I, I was the same. Actually, I remember I read your one of your bios or one of your posts in there somewhere. You mentioned that you were a valedictorian in high school, and you said you said that because that's the only thing you ever got from it. And uh, I was the same <laughs> way. I was the valedictorian in, in a very small high school, and then a valedictorian at a very small college, and it. Uh, it really counts for nothing for all the stress I put my on myself to to get those grades and make sure there were no slip ups or any unfortunate life events that would shift things. You get out and it's like I'm I'm not going to use anything I learned if I even learned anything there, and, and nobody really cares but me. It's an adjustment. Right. Yeah, it was just um, it was it was a way of living. Like I was I was the best kid that ever lived. Like I never <laughs> gave my parents I never gave my parents a problem. Like my, my parents never had to worry that I was going to sneak out of the house or come home with a bad grade or get in trouble or get in a fight or, you know, I it's just, I never, ever, ever, ever did anything wrong. Never. I never did anything <laughs> wrong. And so to get fired from a job for doing something really stupid, I was just, it was just like shocking, like Heather, <laughs> you were the valedictorian. You worked so hard for that one thing <laughs> that doesn't mean anything. But um, so did you have the idea for the book or did, did they come to you with um, your your agent? Did they come to you with the idea? Did they come to you and say, we want to want you to write a book? Or the, the book how did that process the go? The book everybody wanted me to write uh, was Shit Your Dad Says. Um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with that book. It's, it's a hilarious book. A guy went out and, and wrote down all the funny things his dad said and mixed yes. in like personal essays about it. And it sold a, a bajillion copies. And, and these publishers and some agents, they said, if you write that book, but make it, you know, stuff my kids said, you could sell a bajillion copies too. 
and and I looked at it. It's like I I can't write that book. Like it's one thing for me to go on the internet and say, you know, these are you know these are jokes, and they're strongly based on what my kids say, and sometimes they're exactly what my kids say, and sometimes they're not. But like to put that in a book, I was afraid I was going to go as the James Frey route with that Million Little Teacups book, where he got called out on <laughs> Oprah as a liar. Like I didn't I didn't want to get destroyed by Oprah because what I tell is kind of a mix of truth and fiction. So rather than risking a book that was half lies, I wanted to write a book that was 100% lies. I figured that was the safer <laughs> route. And that's how I settled on a parenting guide to the zombie apocalypse. I could take all the same humor that I do every day that made me go viral, but kind of add that you know layer of surrealism that makes it a little bit funnier and makes it one step removed from reality. So hopefully I don't have anybody in the press pounding on my door, you know, calling me a, calling me a liar. Uh, the funny thing is, you know, I, I did this and... Um, I wanted to make sure it was a, originally everyone was like, you had to write nonfiction books. You only have to write three chapters and then they either take it or they turn it down. So you don't waste a year of your life. And uh, when I told them it was about zombies, I was like, so do I have to write the whole thing now? Cause it's a fiction book. And they're like, no, no, it's still nonfiction. And uh, that really concerned me that, <laughs> that the entire book publishing industry universally agrees that a book about zombies is nonfiction. I mean, they clearly, they clearly know something we don't. So, uh, so watch out. <laughs> Oh, the book publishing industry. Oh, it, it is the apocalypse. <laughs> well, it's it's interesting though, James, that they basically came to you and said, if you write this book, it will do extremely well. And, you know, I think a lot of people would have just said, okay, great. I'm going to write that book because I want it to sell. I want to make the money. But you kind of acknowledge that that wasn't, it wasn't a book that you could write <laughs> for a variety of different reasons, but that's, that's an interesting move. Yeah. I just, uh, I mean, like, I, you know, I think of, I was trying to picture somebody like describing this book to their friends, like, yeah, this book and this, all these hilarious things this guy says to his kids and doesn't say and just kind of makes up. And like, I think it, I think for a book, you need kind of a strong story behind it sometimes. And if on the internet, it's fine. But I think in real life, people are like, well, this isn't real. Why am I, why am I wasting my time with it? Also, I mean, it was that and that some other concerns, you know, I wanted to, to branch out. Looking ahead a little bit, I realized there was going to be a day where my kids were older and, you know, I wasn't, be, you know, I seem to specialize that the tweets are funniest when the kids are small and they see the world a certain way. They're going to get older and I need to, you know, branch out and do something different to show people that, hey, maybe, Maybe you can trust me for longer than 140 characters to do something that's not, you know, a direct conversation. Uh, but yeah, I've uh, I've questioned myself, you know, uh, about that decision, thinking, you know, why did I why did I turn that down? But I hope I hope it'll be validated. We'll we'll see how it plays out in the long run. Um, and the, the other consideration too was that uh, it's hard to uh, maintain these social media accounts and go to work full time and raise four kids and write a book. And uh, if I took all those jokes, the true ones and the not true ones, and took them off the internet and held them back for a book, I didn't know what else I'd have left for the internet. So uh, <laughs> there, there were there were a lot of considerations that went into what ultimately may have been a, a bad choice. But but here we are with the zombie book, and we'll see where things go from here. Well, I don't think it's ever a bad choice to take a different spin. I mean, yeah, you could have rewritten shit my dad says with kids, but you took it a different direction, which I think is great. And it sounds like you were saying earlier that, you know, you've incorporated some of these comics and you go to your kids and kind of tell them what you're needing in terms of, in terms of comics and they help you out knowingly, or are these just things that, that you grab from, from the art pile? 
It's both. Now, now the comics in the books aren't the ones that they draw. The comics in the books are the ones that I draw with with stick figures and Google drawings. Okay. Um, they look like they were drawn by a three year old, but honest to God, I draw them. <laughs> the ones that my I have a, a comic called Unfridgeworthy, and those are the ones that they draw. I mean, they would they just came home from school with stacks and stacks of you know drawings that we never used for anything. You're not going to hang it up. And I thought, what if I what if I take a look at these pictures and try to interpret what they are from the viewpoint of an adult? And I just string three of those pictures together with conversations back and forth that would never, uh, never come from a kid. And they're, they're pretty funny that way. And they, uh, and early on when I didn't quite have enough of a stockpile, I, I would bribe them. I'd give them a dime per picture or I'd give them a, a Mr. Freeze. And before you accuse me of slave labor, like to date, I've never made any money off those comics. So I'm not, they're making far more money off those pictures than I was. Uh, but now that they're in school, um, they draw so many things, especially like one of their common worksheets is you read a story, draw three pictures of the scene, and I'll take each of those pictures and enlarge them and turn them into something else. So they, that's probably the part of it where they're most aware that they're helping me and that, that they're, you know, you, they're in on this together with me. Uh, also, you know, with ads and stuff, we will go someplace and do something fun. I'm like, okay, so here's the deal guys, we can do something fun and we can get paid for it, but you've got to help me out. And then they are immediately as uncooperative as possible once they know it's a high stakes situation where I need them. Um, and I, I tell my wife all the time, it's like, we well, got to, you know, you, Heather, you talked about the blowback of the business decision to have kids. I, I tell my wife all the time, it's like this, we're, we're the only people out there making money off our children. We got to have more. And then I get the death glare from my wife. So that's, a, that's not going to happen anytime soon. You talk about your kids being uncooperative. There's... Um... So I took a huge step back from blogging in 2015. Uh, my ad network and my contract with them was up, but the contract that I had been in with my ad network was, I basically had to say yes to every sort of sponsored post that came my way. Oh, wow. And uh, yeah. And I talk about this in a speech that I give um, where uh, like I knew the end, like the end of me doing like, uh, it was a, it was a three part post for a, a car company and they wanted me to get into the car and play um, games, word games with my kids on the way to a location. Uh huh. Um, like get in the car with your kids and play a word game and go to the zoo. And we, I had to do three of these three oh. posts. And first of all, why don't play, I don't play stupid fucking word games with my kids. Like, <laughs> that's just not what we do. no, um, we were, we were listening, you know, to music in the car or complaining or, you know, hitting each other. And, <laughs> and by the third post, like my kids did not want <laughs> to do it at all. And like, like I could not get my kid into the car and she <laughs> stood by the car. She stood by the car and she looked at me and she, she mumbled through tears. Mom, please don't make me do this. Oh, and that's when I was like, okay, this does not feel right. This doesn't feel right. And, and um, yeah. Video is a whole different beast. Like I've, I, I rarely agree to videos. And if people, people want them, I try to set a price that they won't even pay. So they'll just go away because you've got, you can't fake happiness so easily on a video. And also with four kids, four young kids, like if you've got three happy, smiling kids having fun you've got one kid off camera screaming her head off you just sound like the worst right. parent ever like that ad totally failed 
with pictures, you can fake it a little more. It's like, let's just crop out everybody who's crying and pretend we had fun. I've got to be more selective with my lies on here. <laughs> I know. I, in, in, in the speech, I, I show this picture that I finally got of her in the car where she's like, it, she's not crying or scowling. She's just sort of sitting there. And then I'm like, so this is what they wanted to see. And then I show the actual picture of her. Like, she is just like, there's her tear stained face and she's like, you know, growling at me. I'm like, this is the reality. Like, what, you know, so, so how do I write a sponsored post where, I mean, I have to tell the truth. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not going to man. I was manufacturing experiences with my kids and it didn't feel right. But yeah. But yeah. And video. Oh my God. Video with kids. Yeah, <laughs> That's the worst. I've, I, I learned my lesson. Uh, <laughs> it, it took a while. I'm a slow learner, but yeah, I try to do all, all pictures now. And it's, and it's some of the stuff is, is a lot of fun for them. Like I just did one with ice cream and I mean, there's how easy it is it to sit there and eat ice cream while I take your picture. Well, not that easy. I mean, there were, there were many tears and arguments, but at the end of the day, we had a freezer full of ice cream to eat. So they were okay with that one. Or we, we went down to a tree house <laughs> and spent the night in it. That was, those are kind of the ones I, I, you know, I have fun with. And it's nice still because I'm not all the way in that world yet. I can still shy away from the ones that are, that are going to be too hard or that I'm uncomfortable with or anything. So hopefully we'll see. And, and really, you know, I mean, I don't think anybody, um, you know, grows up and says, when I get older, I want to, I want to shill for a corporation and endorse anything that comes my way. I think all of us would like to probably eventually make a living, you know, without ads or with as few ads as possible, just have people pay for your words. And that's, you know, right. and, and maybe that's still possible in 2017. And maybe it's not when I, when I look what I make off writing articles and what I make off, you know, you know, advertising, it doesn't, it doesn't seem like it'd be possible just on the writing, but hopefully, hopefully that dream still lives today. That is the that is the question that everyone asks. Like, what what is the future of personal writing on the internet? I get asked that question all the time, as if I'm supposed to know the answer. <laughs> <laughs> I've lived through this for 17 years, and I'm still here. I haven't, you know, I'm not dead yet. <laughs> well, it's constantly shifting. I mean, it's not what it was 15 mm -hmm. years ago, and it's going to look totally different in even probably two years. Yeah. Oh yeah. Even in how I use the internet, it's, you know, and I, I came into the game so much later than you did. And even in the time I've been there, it's, it's all shifted. And, you know, the, the, the platform of choice, you know, one day Twitter is the only thing that matters. Then Facebook's the only thing that matters. Now all of a sudden Instagram's the only thing that matters. It just, it changes by the hour. Um, and it makes, makes me right. def definitely want to get a foothold outside of social media because, uh, when your living depends on social media and, you know, you, you don't own that network, somebody else does, they can make some change to the advertising rules. And all of a sudden, you know, you're out of a job. Exactly. Well, so in 2000, 2010, 2011, um, the bottom fell out of the banner advertising, um, business model. Mm -hmm. Basically what, what was selling for, six or seven dollars started selling for 15 cents oh wow like within like it happened within just a few months <laughs> so i was making like i was making my entire like my entire salary was off banner ads and then suddenly the only way to make money was to do sponsored content wow. that's how quickly it shifted yeah i have a I that was <laughs> interesting I, I made a friend in the social media he, he like i I came into social media to write. I was writing and the only way to get the writing out there was social media. He's he's in social media for social media and he's amazing at it. But he said back in the back in the the banner ad days that you were talking about, he had a, him and a partner 
were making like $3,000 a day off those ads just without any real content, just kind of click what we would call today clickbait articles, uh, you right. know, living like kings. And yeah, one day all of a sudden it was gone and you have to chase the next big thing. It's not a not a great uh, lifestyle if you have a whole bunch of kids to drag around, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, four kids is to me is uh, I can't even rub my head around that. I, think, I have two, and my life is a fucking circus. I think you guys have it harder. I think it's a it's a misconception. I, I personally believe kids get easier as you get more, because rather than harassing you, they harass each other. Like when you've got just one or two, especially if the two are spread out, you know, they're bored and they want you to entertain them, or worse, they want to have a friend over, and a friend is like a child you have no control over. I mean, that just... I think I think you guys are parenting on a way harder difficulty level than I am. So props to you for pulling it off. Thanks. Thank you. I think that I think the challenges <laughs> for for each of the three of us are just drastically different. I mean, I have one, and there's days <laughs> where I wish I had more because then they could they could be friends or even enemies, and at least stay busy as enemies. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, other times, I think having the one is a lot easier than having two or four. But it's really it's day to day, minute to minute. I mean, I'm I'm sure there's times where you know four kids and two of them have friends over, and you want to throw yourself out a window. But that's just kind of how it goes. <laughs> yeah, there's there's no easy mode. I don't think that's uh, that's the the takeaway from this. But I, uh, I I'm I'm the oldest of seven kids, so I'm I'm used to having kind of swarms what? of kids around. Um, Mormon Catholic? Yeah, Catholic Catholic. <laughs> yeah. So my. My my parenting idol is my dad. So my uh, my youngest brother is uh, 22 years younger than me. He was born my senior year in high school. And um, so I, I was able to kind of look at my parents from a different perspective. You know, when you're a kid, the world looks one way. And when you're an adult, I was able to kind of look at them parenting. And there was this time when my brother was like six months or a year old. And he was at my dad's feet just screaming and screaming. And I, it just went on for a long time. And I finally said to my dad, are, are you going to do something about that? And he goes, do something about what? Like he had so completely tuned this child out, he couldn't even hear the crying at his feet. Like that's the the level of zen I aspire to in parenting. And so far, I'm a very long way away from it. We were talking about that last week, weren't we, John? They're, they're the parents who have like, you know, five or six kids who just don't, they don't even go to the parent-teacher conference anymore. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, don't, they don't go to the back-to-school night. They're like, why? <laughs> that kid That kid is raising himself. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it would be great if they just do that. So that in the the zombie apocalypse parenting is, uh, you know, I, when I was writing that book, I was like, I don't know that, you know, raising kids in the apocalypse is a whole lot different than, than raising kids right now. The, the level of frustration is probably about the same. It's just the, the consequences for messing up or you die. You know, other, other than that, it's it's all very similar. Well, just even in the last... Well, last night we were talking about the hurricane. We were talking about Hurricane Irma. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting there thinking, how much longer is this world, is the world going to be around? Are my children going to make it to like 20? <laughs> and my, my younger daughter was like, please stop talking about this. Please stop talking about this. So I think your book is probably prescient. And um, the book title again is only dead on the inside a parent's guide to surviving the zombie apocalypse and it comes out october 10th october 10th yes can and you can pre-order it now correct yes on amazon barnes and noble all those good places it is available for pre-order and if you pre-order it i will be your best friend for life (laughs) (laughs) 
We have this. Thank you so much for joining us this week. This has been amazing. This has been amazing. This has been great. Thank you for having me. I had so much fun. This is how I usually end things: is we tell people or ask people if they have any any comments to add to. They can reach us at stories at manicramblings.com and they can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Manic Ramblings. Again, thank you so much, James, for joining us in this social media parenting world. <laughs> scary, scary, scary place to be. It is. And um, until next time, exploit your children. <laughs> it's, it's, lu- it's lucrative. <laughs> Many thanks to Tan Lines for the soundtrack, to Lisa Congdon for the cover art, and to Ryan Coomer for his expertise with the editing stuff. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.